Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Would you lift your hands and love the Lord right now? We magnify you, God. in every heart, every mind, every soul, every person. How many want to be like the Lord in all of your ways, in your spirit, in your mind, and in your heart? Amen. Amen. You can return to your seat. Thank you, praise team. Wasn't that powerful? Wasn't that wonderful? What they put together, amen, to lead us into the presence of the Lord. thinking a moment ago about growing up watching my, my, my parents live a righteous godly life and uh, never never saw them get out of the way. I've always been righteous people and uh, it's because of them that I fell in love with this apostolic truth. I fell in love with the word of the Lord. Not only did he preach the word, he would flow in the spirit. He let it flow through him to a coal mines. One is boss to the Lord. I remember going home. Uh, we were going to church, actually, and he stopped by, and I remember he, he stopped by and knocked on a guy's door. He didn't know it would impact me, but I remember a guy coming to the door, and he's a hippie, and Dad said, aren't you going to go to church with me tonight? He was always reaching for people, always, Mom and Dad. He let the flow of the Spirit not only take him to West Virginia, but all the way to Utah and impact lives there. And he is a church planter that we've supported. My dad is here tonight. Amen. And they have planted four churches. And I think we ought to stand and honor them. I want my dad to come and greet you tonight. He's a church planter, powerful preacher. Amen. He loves the Lord. So thankful. Aren't we glad to have them with us tonight? Amen. We honor them. You may be seated. So great to be here in Zanesville tonight with all the people that I love so much. And I would like to thank you from the depths of my heart for the support that you've given us over the years. And the Russell family has supported us. Unbelievable some of our church plants. Thank you, Brother Russell, and your precious family. Missions has been uh, our life since 1990. And I've had a lot of times I've been to meetings and, and had preachers gathered around me like I was this poor little pitiful missionary that needed prayer. And I, I'm a missionary by choice. Don't look down on me because I don't have a congregation of 500, but I do have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that I've pastored over the years in different locations. Uh, we just dedicated my great-grandbaby today. She is sixth-generation Pentecostal. Praise God. 
I told Pastor Smith, I said, she's sixth generation Pentecostal on our side. He said, she is on our side too. You can't beat, you can't beat that. But um, my uh, granddaughter took, took uh, Amor to the doctor and he said that the soft spot's gone. Said in two months it shouldn't be closed up like that. It could cause brain damage. And, and they had a whole list of things they said could happen to happen uh, to her because that soft spot had closed up and uh, they wanted to do a surgery in about six months but uh, they brought her to West Virginia to a home missions church we prayed the prayer of faith she took her back and she went to the specialist or she went back to uh, and they took her to the, the doctor well on Tuesday night they went to the doctor and they said there's a, a little soft spot there now. And so she took them to church at, at uh, Dayton, at Brother Smith's church, and they prayed for her. And Thursday they took her to the specialist, and, and the doctor said, there's nothing wrong with this baby. It has a soft spot. <laughs> Praise God. He's a healer. Nobody like him in all the earth. At the mention of his name, I'm here to tell you today, he can close that. He can fix that problem in a moment's time. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place today. But uh, this place was a home missions church years ago. But I was sitting there thinking about the first home missions church. You can be seated that my wife and I planted, and she's been such a faithful uh missionary's wife all these years she's followed me all over the place we pastored our first church in the 80s took a church of four and then grew that up to about 32 and then we left a year later uh, four board members and they were rough when I found out that had 25 pastors, I realized after one year why they had 25 pastors. I made 26, I think. <laughs> but I was thinking about that first home missions church, and, and I remember when God changed my heart from an evangelist. I used to love to evangelize when I was a young preacher. Had a great time. Loved to see people come to the Lord, repent, receive the Holy Ghost. But I remember when God changed the burden of my heart, and he gave me a pastor's heart. And we bought an old dilapidated schoolhouse that was 100 years old, and it was full of rats and termites. And it smelled really bad. Remember, we, we sold everything we had. We had a farm and, a, and we had a house. We sold everything and moved all of our furniture in one of the schoolrooms. And uh, my wife kept getting skinnier and skinnier and skinnier. She couldn't eat there. She said, I'm going home to mom's. <laughs> And when you get the apartment finished, I'll come back. So that gave me an incentive to really work on that, that apartment. But even after we moved in, and we had a nice little apartment in there, one night I dreamed that I was under that building and a big rat jumped in my face, and I hit it. And I hit her right between the shoulder blades, Brother Stark. She screamed out. She said, what are you doing? I said, fighting rats. But we, I had been making two grand a week on the job as a carpenter in the carpenter's union. And, uh, 
and I went down to $254 a week. So that was a big cut in pay. So we were trying to start a church. We were paying everything, the payment, the insurance, the utilities. And, uh, and I would go to the post office every week hoping and praying that God would put it on somebody's heart to send us a little bit of money. So you don't know what difference that makes when you, when you fill out a missions card and, and a missionary might be going through a terrible financial time and they get that little boost in the mail. You're talking about a blessing. I mean, we were nobodies and nobody knew about us and very few people even gave any help. But you know what? The boys didn't know we were poor. I think I made about 10 grand a year for several years. And I, I had an old MGB I'd bought, and I carried the ladder on. It was a convertible, and I'd lay the ladder on the windshield and tie it down on the back rack. And, and I did jobs all in town working on people's properties, trying to make a living. And I asked somebody, I said, you ever see a sign, we'll work for food? That's what I did at the Glen Ferris Inn. They didn't pay me money, but they'd fix me pies and steaks and and I did all the maintenance on that for a long time while I was a missionary. But I'll tell you what, I wouldn't trade being a missionary for any position that I know. Praise God. Because God has always supplied and he's done it through his people. And if you'll let him talk to you tonight, he'll direct you and, and it's gonna, eternity is going to reveal what you've given when you walk through those pearly white gates I'm telling you what there's going to be a reward waiting on you I hope you don't have a skinny white halo and a robe so woolly that it scratches <laughs> no but you're going to have a mansion and, and I'm telling you what he's going to have rewards for you but I'm sure you've heard Pastor Aaron tell about going to the refrigerator and and there was only a bottle of ketchup in our refrigerator. Hard to make soup out of ketchup. And he looked in there and he said, well, Dad's always preached faith, and I'm going to see if it really works. Got a phone call that night. The preacher invited me to preach, and his senior group filled our car so full of groceries. The trunk was full. The back seat was so full, the boys were sitting on top of groceries, and they gave us an $800 check. That was pretty good back in 91. You see, always believe that he's going to supply your need according to his riches in glory. And God's been faithful. God's been faithful to me as a missionary. And now I'm a retired missionary, and I'm helping missionaries. But I tell you what, you can't outgive God Almighty. You can't. Brother Mark Foster said, tell you he loves you. Memories of Brother Foster, I went to his church for a little while before I became a missionary. I got acquainted with United Pentecostal Church through, through uh, Brother Mark Foster. And uh, I forgot what I was going to tell. See, I'm almost 68. I'll, I'll turn pretty soon. <laughs> Mark Foster came to me when I was going to Salt Lake City and, and, and he said, here, I want, I want to buy your dinner. And he gave me a $100 bill. And I told my wife, I, I told her about another missionary. I said, I really feel like giving this to the other missionary's wife. 
And uh, I ran into him a little bit. I, I said, here, sister, go buy you a pretty dress. I walked right around the arena on the other side, and somebody came up to me that I don't even know who they are and said, here, I don't want any credit for this. I just feel led to give you that. And it was for $1,000. You see, 10 times what I gave, God gave it back. You can't outgive God. He's proven it time and time and time again. I'm here to tell you again, there's nobody like Jesus. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. I'm going to hold on to him because he always holds on to me. Praise God. He's the almighty creator. He'll supply your need according to his riches and glory. Man, I was supposed to have shoulder surgery again. My shoulder was torn again. I thought, oh, no, people are going to, they're already making fun of me because I had to have my finger fixed. They said, not again. You know what? The Lord's touched me again. I'm dependent on Jesus tonight. Praise God. And I'm here to tell you that these missionaries are dependent on you. So when you, you talk to the Lord, ask him to give you direction tonight because I'm here to tell you it's one of the greatest investments that you'll ever do. I've got Ethiopians and Sudanese and people from from Guatemala and Mexico and Cuba and, and all kinds ex-Mormons that's going to be there when I get to glory because there was a missions church in Salt Lake City. Praise God. Thank you so much from all those folks that's been affected all these years. God bless you. Thank you. My, what a powerful touch of the Lord. Amen. He'll make a way. Where there seems to be no way. How many know he's going to make a way where there seems to be no way? My, what a touch of the Spirit of the Lord in this room right now. I, I feel tonight that in this room that you are going to be the answer to prayer to somebody. When I stood in front of that white refrigerator with ketchup, my only thing I could see was ketchup. And I said, Dad said God's going to take care of us. I shut the door and stood back. I said to myself, I was 12, I'm going to see what God can do. I'd watch my parents. You don't meet very many people that gave all to the kingdom. But this couple right here has done it at least three times. My mom and dad. They, they gave all. Because they realized they were an answer to prayer to somebody else. I want you to look at your neighbor and say you're an answer to prayer. And I'm going to tell you, when I was sitting on boxes of groceries coming from that church in Parkersburg on the way home, my brother was sitting on boxes of groceries. The trunk, I remember they couldn't, Dad, you remember they couldn't hardly shut the trunk. And I thought to myself, God did provide for our family. He did provide. It done something in me that when you do the work of God, God is going to provide. He'll speak to his body to provide. Come on, I know who I'm talking to tonight. You are the church that can hear the voice of God, that can provide to see a missions work in another country. 
Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. I want you to say, I want to be the answer to prayer. God's going to speak to you to give. The Bible says, press down, shaking together and running over what men give. And that's going to be you tonight. God's going to speak to you to give. I, just, I, I, I want to move forward, but I can't. I just feel like we're going to lift our hands and say, God, go ahead and speak to me. What am I supposed to do? Lord, what do you want our family to give? We want to be the answer. That's a blessing to somebody that's carrying the gospel to a, a new field, a new county, a new country, a new state. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, the Spirit of the Lord is moving right now. Would every hand be lifted and every heart be open right now? Would you do that, Lord, we pray. Come on, even you children, the Lord's going to speak to you tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody say in Jesus' name. You can be seated for a short moment. Pastor Donnie Ryan, would you stand? This is North American Missions Director for Section 5, and we're so glad that you're here. He's a church planner and his wife and their son and daughter. We want the whole family to stand. We want to honor them tonight. Would you, would you welcome them tonight? Dear friends, they're doing an amazing job in Johnstown, Ohio. They planted the church there. Praise God. I love you all. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you. I want, I want Pastor Tony, Sister Angel to stand. They pastor in Crooksville. We honor them and New Lex. Praise the name of the Lord. Pastor and Sister Castle in Woodsfield, we want them to stand. We honor you tonight. Pastor and Sister Gators, now they didn't get to go home and change, so they're still in their all-nations African outfit. We want them to stand. Turn around and greet everybody, y'all. Turn around and greet everybody. Isn't that awesome? Woo! Pastor McConnellsville, amen. Pastor Sister Crispin from Cambridge, we want them to stand. Amen. Love them. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I'm thankful for what the Lord is doing. Pastor and Sister Nutter, we want you to stand in Coshocton. Brother Nutter, I'm, I'm rejoicing in the prophecy from the man of God that was here last week, and he said there's going to be an Amish revival in Coshocton. Today, there were Amish there and Mennonites there. That A move of God, it has already happened and we're believing it. God's got great things. Greater yet is to come among us. Amen. Remain standing. Let's give God praise. Everybody in the building, would you stand and thank the Lord for what he's doing in Ohio. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. For the faithful saints of God, I honor you tonight. This is about you. This is about us working together as a body. And we are the body of Christ. Praise the name of the Lord. We are so honored to have with us Bishop and Sister Stark. Superintendent of the state of Ohio. Bishop of Calvary in Columbus. I want to say thank you both. Sister Stark, thank you for being so kind to our family. 
from the very moment we moved here from West Virginia, you all have welcomed us and made us feel such a part. Rejoice with us in our victories and been there. If we had any moments we need brought through, your prayers, your encouraging words. Brother Nehemiah was standing with me at the most, the greatest single miracle of my life. God healed me in, a, in my emotions. God healed me. And as soon as the Lord healed me, your hand came over me and began to prophesy to me. I thank you for being sent to the Holy Ghost and being sent from the Lord to impact my life. My wife and our children, we love you. This church loves you. We want you to come and preach whatever God has put on your heart. He preaches all over the world, and we're glad to have him in Zanesville, Ohio. Would you welcome Bishop Stark tonight as he comes to preach the word of the Lord? phone connection I'd have maybe known you were on your way here as well but we were talking on the phone while I was driving here <laughs> it is such a exciting honor to be at the anchor church for your missions commitment tonight Hallelujah. Before I got here, I had no idea that you had done international food and international um, dress this morning. And uh, when I walked in and I sensed what was happening, I saw the flags, I heard what you said. The Lord had already put it on my heart to say what I'm about to say now. I have discovered that when a church makes a big deal about an annual missions commitment, God takes what you have put in his hands, he breaks it and blesses it and returns it, and there will be far more available to the kingdom because you made a big deal about what's important to him. For 30 years, and this morning was our 30th pastoral anniversary at Calvary. Thank you. For 30 years, we have had an annual missions conference. It runs Sunday to Sunday. We begin with an international buffet the first Sunday. And then we end, conclude with our annual missions commitment the, la the, the second Sunday, which is the last Sunday of the meeting. And uh, I can tell you, I could show you on a spreadsheet that it is impossible to outgive God. We were trying to borrow the money to buy. I, I, this was not in what I planned to say, but I feel in the Holy Ghost to say it. And when you're ready for me to start preaching, just quit, just quit playing that nice music, and then I'll know it's time to preach. I love you, Jerry. And uh, we were trying to borrow the money to buy the property where we are now. 
We needed five and a half million dollars and we were turned down by 14 banks. But I don't give up easy when I've heard from the Lord. And finally a banker called me and she said, I have good news for you. She said, we will loan you the money you need. I said, great. She said, there's only a couple things you're going to have to change. And I said, what's that? She said, well, you give way too much to missions. She said, you're going to need to redirect your missions giving to debt service. Name was Bobby. I said, Bobby, that's not possible. She said, Sure, it is. You just have to look at it differently. She said, Now you think missions is what happens outside the church, but you have to realize that everything the church does is missions, and you can't send anything outside. You have to keep it all inside. I said, um, well, it sounds to me like we're not going to be able to do business on those terms. She said, I'm not teasing. I said, neither am I. And then she said, well, if you find anybody to loan you the money, call me. Six weeks later, I called her. She said, I already heard. I want you to know something, Pastor. When you uh, commit to what's important to God, He gets real interested in what's important to you. Because when you commit to what's important to Him, it makes it possible for you to link arms with Him and become laborers together with God. I don't work for Him. I work with Him. And I am honored to be here with this church tonight. You last year, last year you were in the top 20 in missions giving to global missions in the United Pentecostal Church. You were number two in the district in missions giving. Am I right? Okay, I am, I am sure. <laughs> so this church in Zanesville has reached around the world with your burden for souls and that's what matters to God when he came to this world he did not collect souvenirs there was only one thing he came for and it was a church and he's about to collect on that 
and the trumpet's going to sound and the dead are going to be raised and we're all going to rise together to be forever with the Lord in the air. And when uh, your pastor asked me to preach this, the Lord gave me a brand new missions conference message that I have never preached at a missions conference before. Now, I've been doing this for 40 years, and I kind of thought I'd preached about everything that was in the book about giving to missions. But I have, a, have just a little something I want to bring you tonight. Thank you, uh, Brother Frank Bounds. You helped us so much. And I honor you. I'm a Delta flyer. And um, I happen to be diamond with Delta, which means they let me on the plane first. And I like that. But before they let me on the plane... They say, if there are any service members here, either active or retired, we invite you to board now. And then they say, thank you for your service. Well, we have someone here tonight. Brother and Sister Bounds, thank you for your service to the kingdom of God. I love you. And from the book of the Revelation, chapter 3, verse number 7. Revelation 3, 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write these things, saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. I'm not going to preach prophecy tonight, but I want you to focus on the eighth verse. I have set before thee an open door. And then the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth, chapter 16, verse number 8, But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. And I want to preach to you for just a little bit tonight about the open door. before the anchor church an open door and no man can shut it. There is before this church that has had a vision for this entire region, an open door. And although you have walked through the door in many areas, there are more doors going to open to this church there are doors going to open to you individually. There are doors will open to us collectively. Jesus, I thank you for this church. 
for their burden, for their answer, for their sacrifice, and for the revival that you have given and are giving. The harvest that will soon be reaped in this region that is beyond anything we have seen to this point. And tonight, Lord, we're going to make our loaves and fishes available to you. We'll put it in your hands and believe that when you bless it and break it, it will accomplish more than it could have accomplished if we had kept it. In the name of Jesus, let your anointing come upon me as I preach and let your anointing come upon us together to hear and receive. Let the word come with power, authority, and revelation in the name of Jesus Christ. Everyone said amen. amen. You may be seated. We are living in the greatest day of open kingdom doors this world has ever seen. I am now in my 70th year. I know you thought I didn't look bad for a man 90, but I'm only 70. I remember when the little church where I grew up in Jewett, Ohio, was set ablaze with excitement when one soul came to the knowledge of the truth. You see, six years before I was born, my grandfather following the leading of the Holy Ghost, opened a, an apostolic Jesus-named church in a town of about 1,000 to 1,200 people. They already had three churches. They had uh, traveling west to east, a United Presbyterian church. One block west east of that was the Methodist church, and three blocks east of that was the Lutheran church. And as far as they were concerned, they had all the churches they needed. And they certainly already had all the churches they wanted. And so when this former United Presbyterian Sunday school teacher came to the knowledge of the truth, repentance, Baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and the infilling of the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues. They soon invited him to resign his adult Bible class in the United Presbyterian Church. And uh, he was traveling, taking his family about an hour and 20 minutes each way to... Uh, the nearest apostolic church, which was in Bridgeport, Ohio. And um, that was during the Depression. And he was hauling his family in a meat truck because he was a butcher by trade. He and his brother owned a slaughterhouse. And then my grandpa also operated a retail meat market. And uh, in order to make a little more money, he would put meat in the, uh, in the truck, 
put ice in there to keep it cold and he would travel to the little coal mining communities around and try to sell a little bit of hamburger or meat of some kind and he walked into a brand new store one day just outside of Caddis, Ohio and he thought he'd maybe have an opportunity to sell a little bit of meat and he walked in and there was a Bible on the meat case and he looked at the proprietress and he said I see you and I read the same book and she said Harper have you received the Holy Ghost since you've been a believer that didn't go down real good and uh, grandfather went home to prove her wrong and every week he'd go back and she'd give him a little more of the word and so when he finally went to be baptized in Jesus' name, it sent shockwaves through our little community. And uh, you see, all of those churches that I mentioned, the Methodist church was the largest in church, Presbyterians were next, the Lutherans were the smallest of the three. And they had nice buildings on Main Street that looked ecclesiastical and proper church that I grew up in was a converted pool hall. It was 18 inches south of Leo Spotlight Cafe, which is the, was the biggest beer joint in Jewett. It was 50 feet north of the main line of the Nickel Plate Railroad. That was in the days of steam locomotives, and all it took was one train coming by to shut down church until the train, the coal train finished passing the church. Um, by the time I was born, the church was six years old, consisted of saints who had belonged to each of the other churches in town. And so uh, they were not real excited about our growth. But when just one person would come, repent of their sins, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of their sins and receive the Holy Ghost. We thought the biggest door ever had opened to the church. We rejoiced. We were excited. You understand. It was just home missions. And then I remember when entire families would come in. And my, we'd baptize a husband and a wife and the older children. And we thought, it just can't get any better than this. So when I was a boy, all I knew about open doors was one or two or maybe a family. And then we'd have to go and find another door. But I tell you, the doors that are open to the apostolic church in 2022 are bigger than anything your mind can conceive. We are standing in the day of open doors that no man can shut. You didn't know it, perhaps, but for the last two years, Emily Crilly, a young lady from 
Lighthouse Tabernacle in Maslin has been serving the pulpit on a supply basis. Now that's what denominational churches say when they are sending someone in to cover an empty pulpit. They've become either the supply or if they stay long enough, they're the stated supply, just so you know how to, how to talk their lingo. And so they, the, the, the Lutherans were not able to supply a pastor or even preachers for that pulpit. And so about every two weeks, Emily would go there and preach for the last two years. And on the Wednesday night of General Conference, her pastor, Brother Nick Strange, came to me and he said, uh, Emily just called me. The church board has asked her if she would become the pastor of that church. And she told them she couldn't. I said, you call Emily back and tell her to go back to them and tell them yes. That door is too big and too open for us not to say yes. There are doors that are coming your way. I prophesy in the Holy Ghost. They're bigger and they are grander than anything you've ever imagined. We cannot afford at this time to say no. We must say yes. The strange said, well, Bishop, you see... She can't, bat, she can't do infant baptism. I said, that doesn't make any difference. He said, well, she can't give them Lutheran baptism by sprinkling and in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. I said, tell her not to worry about that. If they'll just let her in the door, we'll help her with everything else and God will give us the answers we don't have. And so she went back to them. She said, I will accept your offer to become your pastor. But you need to understand, I cannot baptize babies. And they said, why? And so she gave them a little Bible study. And they said, well, that makes sense to us. She said, well, when I baptize people, I have to do it by immersion in the name of Jesus. And they said, why? And so she gave them another Bible study. And they said, that makes sense to us. I set before you an open door. No man, no man can shut it. You do have strength, and we have not denied his name, and that makes all the difference. And so uh, this January, by the way, Emily already had paperwork to meet the board for her local license, and we granted her a local license uh, a couple of three weeks ago, whenever you were that day after, that night after you were met with us. And so she is now a local licensed minister with the United Pentecostal Church. And in January, she will become the pastor of the Lutheran Church in Strasburg, Ohio, where we never had an apostolic church before. 
lovely building. They have money in the bank. They have 40 to 50 in the congregation every Sunday. God has set before the church an open door and we must by all means walk through it. I was in Manaus, Brazil in September. You know that in August, Brother Robinette took a team there to Manaus and in one single service, over 1,000 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost on a Sunday night. Now, we don't know how many people received the Holy Ghost on Friday night or on Saturday night, but on Sunday night, somebody said, we need to print, we need to make stickers. You know, have any of you ever voted before? You go to vote, they, they give you this little round sticker badge to go on that says, I voted today. This one said, Holy Ghost, in Portuguese. And every time someone received the Holy Ghost, they put a sticker on them. And they had a thousand stickers and they ran out before the Holy Ghost had finished falling that night. And so we went to the soccer stadium that was built for the 2016 Olympics. It will seat 44,000 people. And I was there and we signed the contract. And we will be back there next August. We will have buses. We will have advertisement. We are doing everything we can to fill that soccer stadium. And if we put 44,000 people in there who need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I believe we will see the greatest outpouring of the Holy Ghost that has ever taken place in one service in South America. God said, I set before you an open door. In 2017, I was invited to come to, what country was that, babe, where we went? Hmm? Belgium. I know the book, I just can't remember what day it is. Uh, <laughs> we went to Belgium. We taught a group of uh, Congolese people. And uh, one of them was a pastor at a very small church, and he had just recently been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. He already had the Holy Ghost. And so for five nights, we taught apostolic doctrine. I remember on Tuesday night, the second night, there nobody showed up except that one pastor. And so I taught as if the place was packed. And at the end, I said, if you want what I've been teaching about in apostolic authority and anointing, 
I want you to come here now and let me lay my hands on you. And uh, Pastor Tom came up. I laid hands on him. The floor was ceramic tile on top of concrete. It was not as soft as this floor is. He fell out, smacked his head on that, on that concrete when he went down. I was really worried about him. I was a little more worried when he didn't get up for an hour. But I was somewhat relieved that he talked in tongues the whole time. A few months ago, I got a letter from him. He said, uh, the, 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 uh, the church I'm pastoring in, in Belgium is doing quite well. And he said, I've been going to Johannesburg, South Africa once a month, and I've started a church there. I had some family members there, and I was concerned that they would not know the truth, and so I went there and started a church. Would you come? He said, I've made contact with other pastors in the area. Most of them are Trinitarian. Some of them are oneness. And I'd like for you to come and teach a seminar. And um, that sounded like a good thing to me because, you see, when, when doors open, you can't argue about the door. You have to walk through the door. Paul said, there's a great door and effectual open unto me, and there are many adversaries. If you ever find a door with no adversaries, don't waste your time. If it's a great door, if it's an effectual door, there will be adversaries, but you will have the victory. This is the church of which Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so last week, Brother Robinette and I went to Johannesburg and we taught up to 70 pastors and their wives and their leadership teams. And um, everything was going real good. They saw the doctrine. They understood it. And then somebody on the team who may or may not resemble the preacher tonight decided I needed to, or somebody needed to deal with the fact that if you've never been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, you need to be re-baptized no matter how you were baptized before. If it wasn't in Jesus' name, your sins have not been washed away. Now, the speaker did try to be less offensive than that, but apparently it was a little too strong, and we lost about half of our happy seminar group but the next morning we took one pastor found a dirty old swimming pool in an apartment complex that they let us use and we baptized him in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins in fact by the time we left on Monday 
We had baptized four, over 40, or at least 44 people in the name of Jesus Christ. We'd seen 78 receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There had been over 110 notable miracles took place. Because God said, I will set before you an open door. No man can shut the door that God opens. Last Sunday morning, I preached in a, to a congregation of about five to 600 people. They were Congolese. There's, at some point, there's been a strong oneness root in Congo. I don't know about it, but I want to find out more about it. Because some of these people believe our apostolic message just as fervently as we do. And so this pastor of a church, uh, one of the finest buildings I've ever been in overseas that was not built with U.S. money. See, 1,270-some people in uh, theater seats in a two in main floor in the balcony. Um, started at 9 o'clock in the morning, and when our car pulled up at 9 o'clock, they were already singing. Fine, fine, great worship. And uh, now I'd, I'd met this man on Friday. He knew nothing about me. I knew nothing about him. And on Saturday, we got the, uh, we got the call. He had not been in our seminar. Saturday, we got the call. And they said, uh, he wants you to preach for him tomorrow morning. And I said, well... Let me see if I feel any checks. And I didn't wait a long time. If God wanted to stop me, I, he was going to have to stop me quick. And uh, so on Sunday morning, I went to preach. There were about 600 people there. And um, one of the people on the team said, what are you going to preach? I said, there's a scripture that says we preach Jesus. And that's my title, We Preach Jesus. I thought either we're going to find out if these people really believe what we believe, everything's going to be all right. And if they don't, maybe they'll shut me down, but I'm going to preach Jesus. And so for about 50 minutes, I preached Jesus. And by the time I finished, the pastor, his wife, the assistant pastor, some of the leadership team was on their feet clapping their hands because they believe that Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. They believe that baptism must always be accomplished in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Baptized eight people in Jesus' name that day. I set before you an open door. You don't know where the door is going to open, but God has already opened doors to this church. And when it happens, you need to be prepared to walk through it. God's opened doors to the United Pentecostal Church. And when it happens, we need to be prepared to walk through it. At that seminar, there were three independent pastors from Angola who heard about the seminar. And they came and they were so disappointed because they wanted to take us from 
South Africa to Angola. And in one, one man said there were 80 people slept in our church on the floor last night. And as soon as you get there, we're going to go straight from the airport to the sea and baptize them in Jesus' name. We are moving into houses we did not build. We are eating of vineyards and olive yards we did not plant. This is our time for kingdom expansion and growth as never before. When I was a boy, if we baptized one person in Jesus' name, we thought the rapture had taken place. And if we got a whole family, we didn't know how to handle it. There are entire congregations coming to the knowledge of the truth. And now there are entire groups of fellowships, organizations saying, we want what you have. And God has set before us open doors and we must be ready to walk through them. We were not ready when the Iron Curtain fell in the 80s and the Charismatics and the Trinitarians got there before we did. But God is getting ready to open doors all across this globe like we have never seen before and the church must be ready. Timing is everything in the kingdom. And if we don't prepare now, we will not be ready when the door opens. I believe that the church should have available reserves of finance. That when doors open, we don't have to think about where the finance is going to come from. But we were doing exactly what they did in Egypt. Bill, we're putting it in barns and getting ready so that when we need it, it will be available to us. And that's why we're having this conference tonight. So let Jesus preach to you for just a few minutes. Matthew 5, 14, ye are the light of the world. Look at your neighbor and tell him that's you. Oh, come on, don't be so tame. Look at your neighbor and preach to them, that's you. You are the light of this dark world. And our world is getting darker and darker and darker. And the darker the world becomes, the brighter the light of the church must shine into the darkness. So you, Anchor Church, are the light of this entire Muskingum County. You have expanded your capacity and your footprint beyond this county and you've reached north and south and east. And I guess you've reached west too. I'd have to look at a map to see exactly where Crooksville and New Lex is from here. But you see, we are living in the most exciting time 
that the church has ever known. And you are the light. You are the light. Don't expect your pastor to be the light. You are the light. That was written. Oh, my God, help me, Jesus. Help me to preach this. You've got to get this. You are the light of the world, and this city set on a hill cannot, cannot, cannot be hid. There's a light inside of you by the power of the Holy Ghost, and most of you are not aware of it. We are living in the darkest days that I have ever known in my entire life. And the light within us shines brighter and brighter the, dark, the darker the world becomes around us. But the devil doesn't want you to notice that you are walking in more light than your world has. But that's not all. He said a city set on a hill cannot be hid. You see, the truth of the matter is because of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, because of the power of Almighty God in you, it has elevated you above those around you who are in darkness. You can't help it. You're obvious. You're conspicuous. Look at somebody beside you and say to them very kindly, you are conspicuous. That was not an insult. If you're apostolic, that was a compliment. And then Zechariah prophesied. 14 and 6 shall come to pass in that day. The light shall not be clear nor dark, but it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at the evening time, everybody knows what happens in the evening time. It gets darker and darker and darker. But something supernatural is going to happen in the last day, Zechariah said. He said at the evening time, it's going to be light. We are living in the evening time. And the light that's in you was put there by Almighty God to fulfill the prophecy of Zechariah that in the evening time there would be a supernatural of event or occurrence. And in the evening time it shall be light. When the natural progression of the earth's orbit around the sun would demand that darkness overcome the sun's light, God is going to interrupt the natural order of the universe. It wouldn't be the first time he'd done it. When Joshua needed a few more hours of sunlight to defeat the enemy, God provided the light that he needed. And now in the last days, when the natural progression of things would say, it's so dark, there's no way to reverse it. God said, but wait a minute, I have a church. I've put light in my church. And because of the light in my church, in the evening time, when everybody is expecting it to get darker and darker and darker, it shall be light. 
Could that be what Jesus had in mind when he said, you're the light of the world? Several weeks ago, the Lord directed me to study the Exodus account of the destruction of Egypt that occurred just before God's people Israel were leaving the house of bondage. I believe that Israel's deliverance from Egypt is a type of our exodus from this planet when the final harvest of souls has been reaped. Exodus 10, 19, and the Lord turned a strong, a mighty strong west wind which took away the locusts. That was plague number eight. And cast them into the Red Sea. There remained not one locust in all the coasts of Egypt. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart that he would not let the children of Israel go. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand toward the heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. Now, if you've ever been in a coal mine, you have some idea of how dark it is when you, it's almost like you can put it in your pocket and carry it home with you. My wife and I were up on the face of a mine in Harrison County a number of years ago. We'd gone down to the bottom of the shaft. We got on the man trip and went about five miles out to the face. Everything was all right. My wife was dealing with all of that until the man who had, one of the men from the church had taken us in. And he said, now, just reach up and turn off the, light, the, the, the lamp on your helmet. I want you to know something, my friend. My wife and I were real close at that time. It was so dark, you could hold your hand, and some of you who have been in a mine know what I'm talking about. You could hold your hand in front of your face and not see anything. Now, the Bible says that when Moses stretched his hand toward heaven, there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They saw not one another, neither rose any from his place for three days. It was so dark, they stayed in bed for three days. Now, it does. I've met some folks, it doesn't take darkness to make them stay in bed for three days straight. Nobody in Egypt went to work. Nobody in Egypt went to school. Nobody in Egypt went to the grocery store. Nobody in Egypt got out of bed for three days. Verse 23. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Do you understand how God has positioned the church in the end time as a world around us is, is lost in darkness and they cannot find their way when they look toward the house of God, when they look toward the dwelling of the people of God, they see something there. There is light in the kingdom of God and is put here for such a time as this. All the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Now, you see, God had told Moses, he said, I will spoil Egypt. And plague by plague, locusts, cattle died. 
hail and fire. Plague after plague after plague, Egypt was being brought to total destruction because God had said, I will spoil Egypt. And then 24 hours before they left, Moses, God told Moses, he said, you tell the Egyptians to borrow everything their neighbors have left. By this time, if you'll go back and study, the Egyptians knew that Israel was leaving and never coming back. Now, you don't loan something to somebody who is leaving and never coming back. But the Bible says that something absolutely unexplainable happened. And in the 24 hours before the children of Israel left Egypt, they borrowed of their neighbors gold, silver, precious stones, fine tapestries, acacia wood, Everything they were going to need to serve God when they got to the wilderness, they borrowed from their Egyptian neighbors and carried it out with them. Let me tell you what I believe. If we will invest in the harvest to the very best of our ability now, there will be a when the harvest begins to break and we have exhausted all the resources that we have been able to, to, to put together because of our faithful stewardship in services just like this, I'm going to tell you where the next wave will come from. I believe there will be a massive transfer of wealth from Egypt to the church. And so what I'm calling this precious congregation to do tonight is step farther in sacrifice and investment than you ever have before. This church is on the cusp of doing something you've never done before. You are on the brink of going somewhere you've never gone before in sacrifice. And all you're doing is making a way that when the door of harvest opens as it absolutely will, there will be resources in the kingdom of God to carry the gospel wherever it needs to go. Listen to this. 12.35 of Exodus, the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. So they lent to them such things as they required. I believe if you tonight will believe God that he will be a debtor to no man and that when you give, as the scripture has said, give and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men heap to your bosom for with the same measure you meet with all it shall be measured to you again. I believe if you will walk into that tonight that when the, when, when, when the needs of the door uh, available to us 
outstrips everything we've been able to do. Don't worry about running out of what we need at that point. God is going to give us favor with Egypt. You realize when they got to the wilderness and God said, I want you to build the most fabulously engineered mobile or portable worship edifice there has ever been designed. And it's going to take gold, enough gold for all the boards, silver, enough silver for all of the bases, brass, enough brass for the, for the poles to shoot through the, the boards. Precious stones for the mitre, for the high priest, and for the ephod that he would wear. Every, all the tapestry, all the acacia wood, everything you're going to need. They carried that out of Egypt because God gave them favor. If you will obey the Lord tonight, and we will invest of our substance in the kingdom of God, eventually we are going to outstrip what we have and at that time God will, work, will step in and perform a supernatural miracle and give us favor with Egypt. I believe it with all of my heart. Matthew 24, 3, and he sat on the Mount of Olives and the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Jesus said in verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations and then shall the end come. I believe the only thing that withholds the hand of God from the trumpet of rapture is that we have not yet been able to carry this gospel into all the world, but we're coming, we're coming. Believe me, we're coming. Every nation, every kindred, every tongue, every tribe is gonna hear the message of salvation and then shall the end be. I'm just passing all the stuff I don't need to say to get to the last thing I need to say because I believe this congregation is ready to make your commitment for the next 12 months. You see, there's a proportion that comes in sowing and reaping. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. Now you can sow in the kingdom by the thimbleful if you want. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. And so whatever you, whatever you determine to do tonight, no one is going to in any way pressure you to do more than you feel led to do. But I'm encouraging you not to do less than you are that the Lord speaks to you to give. 
He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. I just want you to understand. I've been putting God to the test, my wife and I, for 45 years in this matter of faith promise giving. And uh, we've made some pretty scary commitments. And it's amazing. We can make a scary commitment and a year later, somehow it just feels like I don't know what I was so afraid of. God's supplied that need. And I've been in services where I've heard people mention amounts. I'm not going to mention any amounts. But I just want you to know that when you give, when you commit to the Lord by faith, you then become a partner with him. And so there are three elements that go into your commitment tonight. First, there is stewardship because Jesus said give. If there were no end to that verse, it would be our responsibility to obediently give. But he said give and it shall be given unto you. And that stewardship, everyone should do something. And then... There is a second element to our commitment tonight, and that is sacrifice. For King David, when Aruna said, I'll just give you the ground, and I'll give you the oxen for sacrifice, and I'll give you the instruments of the oxen, they, they were using wooden equipment to plow. He said, I'll give it all to you. David said, you don't understand. This is for God. And I can't give God something that did not cost me anything. And so I'm asking you tonight to be certain that whatever amount you write on that card, it includes a measure of sacrifice. You're not too excited about that, and I understand. Because sacrifice means we're going to do without something that we want in order to send the gospel where we cannot go at this time. This church understands that. You fully support Brother Noe. And now, I didn't even know about the Philippine expedition. Uh, Well, I won't say what came to me when you were talking about that tonight, but I'm telling you, this church is, has put your fingerprints in so many places around the world, but you're getting ready to put more fingerprints than you ever have before. And so uh, we first of all give by stewardship. We, just, we don't squander our money, but we assign it by wise stewardship. And then we add a measure of sacrifice. And finally, we say, now God, this is all I can do. But if you will trust me with a little more, 
by faith, I will commit beyond what I'm able to see myself affording to do. And so those three elements should figure in your faith, in your commitment total tonight. And uh, we give with purpose. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And one translation says, a hilarious giver is one that God prizes. I've seen some people do some real strange things at offering time. I knew a man who always got the urge to go, I suppose he was going to get a drink or the bathroom or something, but every time at offering time he had to walk out. But I also was there the day a man finally submitted to returning the tithe to the Lord. And we were in, in our church, not a little church in Jewett, we walked when we gave. And that man had never paid tithe before. And he walked up that day, and when he dropped that tithe in the, in the basket, something happened, and he had never spoken with tongues before, but he dropped his tithe in about here in the middle, and by the time he got there, he was speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave utterance. There is something happens when you partner with God financially. God opens the windows of heaven. He said in his word he would, and he will pour you out a blessing. There will not be room enough to receive. And so, I'm finished. Anchor Church, just how big of a door are you prepared to allow the Lord to let you walk through because of the commitment that you make tonight when your pastor comes to receive the commitments for the next year? You can walk through a bigger door than you've ever imagined is possible, and I believe it's going to happen tonight because I sense the anointing of the Holy Ghost on this congregation to hear the voice of God. So before you fill out that commitment card, I want you to ask God what he would have you to give. And then be obedient to the voice of the Holy Ghost. Don't give more, and by all means, don't give less. But together, let's make a commitment that lets us walk through every door that God's going to open to this church in the next 12 months. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's thank God for the word of the Lord. Hallelujah, we receive that word tonight. Behold, I've set before you an open door. No man, 
Everybody say, no man. No economy can shut it. When God has a plan, He's going to do what He's going to do through the people that believe in Him. And I believe in Him tonight that God is going to do what He said He is going to do. I say to every daughter work pastor, you better get ready because you've, you haven't seen yet what God is about to do. It's bigger than your buildings. It's bigger than what you've envisioned. It's beyond that. But when you step in, don't ask questions. Just step through the door and God's going to make a way. He's going to give you vision, instantaneous vision. He's going to give you instantaneous wisdom on how to deal with it. I want somebody to shout amen and hallelujah. Would you clap your hands and just rejoice for what the Lord has already done and is about to do. We designate a Sunday like this because we truly believe in the power of giving. We truly believe that giving makes a difference. In our first faith promise service, I actually thought that Brother Lehman was going to receive an offering for the Crooksville Church that we were moving toward, hoping to go toward. He got up and talked about global missions and didn't say anything about receiving an offering for Crooksville. That's exactly and I guess I was hoping that he would receive an offer for Crooksville because we didn't have any money. $4,800 was given, pledged a month to give to missions. And I thought, oh my goodness, how in the world are we going to go to Crooksville and now the church is giving everything they have? That's what I thought. But because we gave to missions, God opened the door for Crooksville. Amen to be planted and all the money was provided miraculously there's no limit to what God can do be seated for just a moment be seated but not sedated amen we began to give to missions Bishop Stark and when we did we paid this church building let me, let me go back a minute on a little fact here our first one that that uh, we started giving to missions. We paid this church building, which is nearly a half, was a half a million dollar loan. We paid it off seven years early because we gave to missions. Somebody say amen. And, and through that, the Lord brought multiplication and also a call to ministry and missions. The atmosphere of this church has, been, has, has become missional and missions-minded so much that we think outside of where we are and think about where's the next place that we're going to go to because of that God has sent people to this church that have seen truth and we've been able to send them to where God has called them to go we don't want to ever stop being what God called us to be this is a giving church it's also a sending church we believe if we'll keep sending God will keep sending we believe if we keep giving God will keep giving we launched recently into probably one of the greatest faith moves I've ever made as a pastor to tell you that we are in the building that will be not only ACA but our future daycare and that we will buy property at the Y Bridge. And uh, it's the biggest faith probably decision I've ever made because we do have an expensive roof over top of us that is near completion and cost more money than I ever thought a roof should cost I'm in disagreement with the cost of that roof but 
But God is able to take care of that. I, I didn't want to move forward with what God had put in my spirit. But the Lord sent a man of God, an evangelist by the name of Cody Marks. And God sent him and he prophesied to the church. He preached a powerful message, but he prophesied. Turn around and he said, don't wait. He said, don't wait till next year to tell this church what God has put in your spirit. And the Lord, the Lord moved upon me because I, I, I didn't want to try to get a loan to buy property when there was a loan for a roof. And, and you know the story. I got up and in the moment when I touched the microphone, began to reveal what God had put in my heart. Because I believe God has a strategic plan and a place. Amen. He does. He knows where. And uh, I, when I began to speak that, God began to move upon this church. And we began to give. And Brother Melick, you started that night, and I thank you. Because it was as great as a miracle that night as it was when Bob Spring gave the first thousand to go toward the church in Crooksville. It was the moment like that. It wasn't long till people were giving thousands of dollars. Five thousand, five thousand, ten thousand. One gave 12000 Another came to me. In that service, it's hard for me to say it. I said, I feel like God's going to let somebody give $100,000. And I said that. Now, if you know me, it took everything in me to override that in me, to speak what God wanted me to speak. Somebody come to me after church, and they said, I'm the one that the Lord spoke to to give $100,000. I'm going to be making that happen. Another one came to me and said, hey, the Lord spoke to me to give $50,000. I'm going to be giving $50,000. What I'm saying to you is because we have given to missions over the years. We've sent people to all these daughter works. We've sent resources of God over the years. The Lord has put it back in our church so we can do it again. Not only are we going to give and be able to buy property, and I believe we're going to hear any day a response on that property. Can there be an amen here? Hallelujah. There's a witness of the Spirit. Praise God. But I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to be able to give more to missions than we've ever given. I believe God's going to help us reach Germany. I really believe that. I believe God's going to help us reach India. I believe that. I believe God's going to let us help the Philippines. Come on, from right here in Zanesville and the surrounding areas. Oh, praise God. He's going to let us reach the world. Reach the world with the gospel. Hallelujah. Brother Chris Russell sent me a text the other day, and I'll read a portion of it. He said, Pastor, I hesitate to text because I doubt me. Brother Russell, you're normal. He said, but I was praying, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, I was thinking about something God said. He said, but, but how, Lord? And he said, I heard a voice, Bishop. This is what he said in the text. He said, but I heard a voice say, I will again spoil Egypt. He said, then for a brief moment, I saw people coming from different directions out of a midst or fog of darkness. Ooh. Their faces were so repentant. And they were carrying and holding out actual gold and silver jewelry as they walked. Brother Russell, I sent you a text. I said, this is of the Lord. This will be confirmed on November the 6th. Out of the midst of darkness, people are going to come repenting. 
The people that have been away from the church are going to be looking toward the church. Do you believe that? I want you to jump to your feet and clap your hands and say, God's going to send them out of the darkness into the marvelous light. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We are living in the greatest hour of the church. Do you believe that? I said we're living in the greatest hour. Bishop, most places I've been going, and you don't know this, but I've been preaching in these meetings this summer. There shall be light in the evening time. It's the message I'm preaching from the old song, The Waterway. There shall be light in the evening time. Is there darkness in the land? Yes. But is there light in the kingdom? Absolutely. We are the answer. We are the hope. We are a city set on a hill that can't be hid. I want every, every daughter work pastor and your wife to come and stand across the church here. Everyone remain standing. I want them to come and stand here. Mom and Dad, if you'll come and stand right in the middle. Hallelujah. I believe I looked back and saw Brother Anthony Nutter. Where's he at? Did he step out? One of our missionaries, a North American missionary. I want you all to just spread out here if you can across the front. Mom and Dad right in the middle if you will. Bishop and Sister Stark, would you stand to the far left? And let's scatter all the way to the end, if you don't mind. The enemy is going to do everything he can to distract you from being what God wants you to be. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. But the Bible says give no place to the devil. Don't be ignorant of his devices. He's going to try to push you back so you can't do what God has called you to do. But ye have overcome them, little children, for greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The prince of your city cannot stop you from having revival. Come on, the enemy of your city and your county cannot stop you from having a breakthrough. There's going to be a moment they're going to get tired of drugs. They're going to get tired of alcohol and sin. And they're going to say, where's the deliverer? I know where the deliverer is. Amen. He's in the church and his name is Jesus. I want the daughter work pastors to shout, we're going to see the greatest revival that we've ever seen in our city. I want the church to shout, we're going to see the greatest revival and the greatest harvest that we have ever seen. All you mamas and daddies, train up your children to be prayer warriors. Train up your children to be Bible quoters. Train up your children to be believers. Come on, I'm telling you, there's something happening in this hour. Greater things are yet to come. Greater things are still to be done. Amen, amen. I want the daughter work pastors and your, your spouses right now. I, I, want, um, I want our pastoral staff to come. Pastor Cody, would you come? Amen. Sister Lauren, if she's right there with you, she might have stepped out. Brother Mark, Sister Pam, Brother Tom, Sister Sarah Mealy, Brother Mark Mealy, 
and Sister Rhonda Melik, won't you come and stand among these? Hallelujah. What are you doing? We're going to pray. We're going to pray. Look at your neighbor say, the Lord's about to spoil Egypt. If we'll do what we can do, God's going to do what he can do. Somebody shout, the heart of the king is in the hand of God. How many believe he can soften the heart of a community? Woo! I feel a witness right now. I feel a witness of the Spirit. I want you to say, God's going to use me tonight. I want, I want the pastoral team up here, I want you to lift your hands to the Lord. I want you to ask God to flow through you as you pray over the congregation. Would you do that? To the Lord. I want you to lift your hands. All the pastoral team, your spouses, I want you to say, Lord, I'm asking you to speak to my spirit. Lord, flow through me as we pray over these wonderful people. That they would hear your voice, obey your word, so the gospel can be propagated around our region and to the world. Hallelujah. 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 Now, would you stretch your hands over the people and begin to pray for the saints of God right now that God would begin to speak to them? I want the whole church to begin to pray and say, Lord, open up my heart. Open up my spirit. Come on, there's something moving right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. There's an open door. There's an open door. Come on, that's it. God, we're going to walk in your will. We're going to walk in your way. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. We pray a blessing over this congregation that you will bless them mightily. You've given them jobs and abundance. Lord, you've given them a coat of blessing that they wear. Lord, you've blessed them so much on every level. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, and financially. And for that, we're so grateful. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, you're going to do it again. You're going to do it again. We're going to see the blessing of the Lord pour back into the church because we poured it out in the missions fields around the world. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.